0: My Google, so I can have some notes.
1: Oh, speaking of goats, Dylan, do you know who I saw today while I was at the day job? Pedro Pascal. I wish. Pretty close, though, in terms of handsomeness.
0: Uh, Michael Fassbender.
1: Getting warmer. Wait,
0: warmer. This Who's gentleman, more...
1: this gentleman is white. Who's more handsome than Michael Fassbender? Glenn Carbonera. <laughs>
0: Actually, pretty funny. He's a good-looking guy, but that's not who I thought you were gonna say, "That's <laughs> great." Local legend, cover
1: Carbonell. I was like, "How's everybody?" He's like, "They're good." Zach still at home. Oh, <laughs> <Aww. laughs> you tell me to leave Zach alone.
0: Leave Billy alone. He's a nice young man. My computer just froze. All right, well, I'm. I don't need a computer. I'm I'm ready. I'm just I'm just gonna fidget. I'm good. torches for the
1: light, they only think we're all just too uptight, and everybody knows they've got the
0: right, cold passions, roaming your factions, no taste for
1: facts, the old days are back, they're not long. What is going on fellow streamers welcome into another edition of streamers season the exclusive streaming platform TV and movie podcast on the underground sports Philadelphia podcast network. It's another OG episode just me KB and Dylan Christian will be back hopefully next week once we get all the scheduling figured out because Christian has college courses so we're figuring out the scheduling and then hopefully uh, my life will be in order where I can finally sit down and start watching Ted Lasso as we promised to the people uh but yeah, we've got we've got a, a Mandalorian season 3 finale to get into so we have another overall show score for 2023 uh we're going to talk about the Love is Blind live debacle that was and if streaming platforms should be doing live con- content uh and then we'll get into the streaming platform multiverse news and notes where had some big announcements uh, with projects across the board, including ones that are near and dear to Dylan and I's childhood that we will more than likely be like rewatching to enjoy, but also discussing on the podcast. I feel like those movies need reviews. Um, but oh, yeah. before we get started, make sure you guys follow us on the socials, Twitter and Instagram at streamer SZN. Follow Dylan on Twitter at Dylan Mazzola. Follow me at KBI Z L three one one. Subscribe to the podcast feed, and Dylan, before I have you say the line, I have been recommended a show oh, it that works. is pretty popular uh, on the interwebs and have been told it's it's like a 9, 10 out of 10. I What show is this? I'm very curious. Now. That is the new Netflix hit that is number two on their charts the last time I checked, Beef. Well, funny. You... I have been told so many good things about this. And said that we need to watch it for the podcast.
0: My girlfriend and I started that. I think we are two episodes in and I can confirm it's a wild ride so far. And I think it would be good for the pod.
1: Uh, So we might be adding beef to the docket in the near future. Now that the Mandalorian is somehow already over. Uh, but obviously, Ted Lasso is coming onto the docket. So yes, it might be Adam Beef as well. Uh, since it is a Netflix show, it's one of those things that can be <laughs> binged right through. Um, but Dylan, for the people, for for the, the sake of the people, say the line.
0: Say the line. Uh, the line is that of which I say every week. If you are a first-time listener, though, I will gladly tell you for the first time. The line is for you to recommend something for Kyle, myself, and Christian returns back from his edumacation uh, of what to watch whether it's a movie a tv show and we have all this all the services combined at, at this point so let us know and you're going to let us know by leaving it in the comment section of youtube or in a review on apple podcast spotify whatever you you know listen
1: yes definitely leave those five star reviews it does help the show continue to grow and it gives us source material to sift through and uh, start watching shows and movies that you guys want us to watch. And like Dylan said, you can also leave them in the YouTube comment section at youtube.com slash at underground sports, Philadelphia, subscribe to the channel, uh, leave a like, click the bell icon, comment your shows and movies, comment your thoughts on everything we discuss on the episode. Uh, we are on that road to 500 subscribers on that road to a thousand subscribers. You already know what happens at one K Dylan's cosplaying this October at comic-con and I will be watching season one of Game of Thrones. So If you want that to happen, subscribe to the channel, youtube.com slash at Underground Sports Philadelphia. We're currently at 437 subscribers. Let's keep it rolling. Let's keep it pushing and keep the good vibes flowing. But Dylan, we are sadly at the finale of another season of a flagship show of streamer season. The Mandalorian season three finale is here. Chapter 24. It's brought to you by our good friends over at W energy. I've got my W right now. It's the first time I've been home all day today. So I certainly needed to uh, go and get my W on. And uh, they had quite a day. He needs it quite a day. They are the best in the game. They just celebrated their two year anniversary uh, this earlier this week. So uh, happy birthday to W and Dylan, you know what they did to celebrate their birthday. They released a brand new shaker with a nifty looking Panda on it. And a brand new flavor that I think might pique your interest, I'm Dylan. Only... Are you ready to hear this new dubby flavor? I am. What's the uh, what's the what's the flavor? It is titled Cali O Cream, and it is mango orange cream. Oh, that does sound good. The nice flavor. little creamsicle action, if you ask me, with a hint of mango in there. Perfect for summertime. Throw that on some ice, hachi. Machi. We got some coming to the studio over the next couple of days. Uh, so that will be here. Uh, and I'm very excited to try that. I am sipping on the uh Beach and Peach Mango Peach Cooler right now, and uh Dubby has kept us energized since day one. They are the best in the game. It's zero calories, zero sugar, zero maltodextrin fillers, no artificial dyes or colors, and uh it's clean and jitter and crash-free energy, unlike those big energy brands that W is waging war on. Uh you guys can go to W.GG. Link is in the description on YouTube and in the podcast show notes. Uh and use code underground when you check out you get 10% off any and all orders from our friends over at W. Uh they're the best in the game. Clean up your energy game with W energy code underground for 10% off your order. Dylan Chapter 24 The Return is the title of this episode directed by Rick Famigua, who I think is part of that, that core four of the Mando verse. It's Rick, it's Bryce Dallas Howard, it's John Favreau, and it's obviously our Lord and Savior, Dave Filoni. Uh, Rick directed last week's episode as well. And the uh, first episode of this season, he's been kind of in the mix almost since Jump Street. I'm pretty sure he directed episodes in season one, two. I think Um, so. So he's been around and I think he's like a core part of like the directorial staff for the Mandovers uh, here on out um, before we dive into the episode and give you a spoiler warning. Uh, just want to get your overall thoughts on the episode uh, that was chapter 24 and how you felt it kind of wrapped up this season. A lot happened in the 33 minute runtime. That was this episode. Um Still a lot of questions, I would say that uh, I would like some answers to. Maybe we get answers in Ahsoka as we push forward uh, with the with the rise of the First Order and everything. But your Um, thoughts on uh, Chapter Twenty Four, Dylan?
0: Very mixed as a whole as the series or the season for a whole and chap and same as Twenty Four. I felt like it started off kind of blah and it built itself up and then. I don't want to say disappointment because I do think this ended better than the season started. Um, But I don't think I necessarily loved um, how it ended. And I'll go into that more. But as a whole, I think it was fine. I think there was some nice action and, you know, things were concluded. But I also do think it raises a lot of questions like you alluded to. And it just kind of feels like it, it it makes me wanting more but not, like, in the cliffhanger kind of way, like, in the way in which I just kind of feel like
1: I need I needed more, you know? Mm-hmm. It It almost... Yeah, I know we make a lot of comparisons on this show to the show I'm about to reference. It almost reminds me of Season 3 of Stranger Things, where you got, like, build-up and you got more plot development, character development, and learned a lot more about, kind of, what is going on in the greater Star Wars universe. And then... Like the ending of season three, it's like, damn, I like, I have so many questions about what's going on. Like, we got left on a cliffhanger with that show. This yeah. one, not necessarily a cliffhanger, but it's like, there's so much that's left untapped. Like, where are we going to go from here? Who is going to, like, progress this story forward now? Um, Which we'll get into. I I have a theory on what season four uh could be, because Jon Favreau has come out and said he wants to do six seasons, I think, of The Mandalorian, so... We're only halfway kind of through this iteration of uh, the Mandoverse. But I do feel like, unlike, you know, a Stranger Things, the Mandoverse has other parts to it where, like, we got season two and a half kind of with the Book of Boba Fett. Ahsoka, I think, is going to have a lot of things that happened in The Mandalorian continue on in that show. Um, So I think there's other, like, moving parts that, like, Dave Filoni is one of those guys where he's like you and I, you, you want to watch everything. You want to get a, an idea of what's going on by watching everything. Um, where in a lot of other instances, like some other universes and stuff, you don't have to watch everything to kind of understand it. Dave Filoni is one of those guys that he wants you to get a taste of everything so that when it does culminate in what will be that 2026 Mandoverse movie, you're going to understand everything if you watch all the all the shows that built up to that moment
0: yeah no that's a fair point and it's it is interesting to think that we potentially have three more seasons of this show potentially like the half seasons as you alluded to (laughs) with the book of boba fett or mandalorian and the movie as well so there's definitely a lot more to come and I'm, i'm curious to see how it all you know wraps up years from now um but
1: yeah Yeah, so we are going to get into the breakdown of the episode. So this is your patent-pending spoiler warning. If you have not watched Chapter 24, Season 3, Episode 8 of The Mandalorian, pause this episode, go watch that, and then come back and enjoy the breakdown with us. So here we go. Uh, Bo-Katan and her reconnaissance squad retreat from Moff Gideon's base. And upon returning to the Mandalorian flagship, Axe Wolves sends the remaining Mandalorian fleet to reinforce the planetary troops while he uses the ship as a decoy we for learned. attacking Imperial oh. Thai squadrons. <laughs> I thought that scene was really cool.
0: That scene was cool. The a lot of the the um a lot of the camera angles of the jetpack troops, yes. like Go, like behind like their helmets and stuff that was sick that's what i'm talking like effects wise this episode was awesome just plot wise i'm kind of left wanting more but that was cool as well watching him ascend uh and jetpack via through mm-hmm. like i guess it's like the the weather atmosphere yeah it was like
1: breaking like the the planet atmosphere that they were on and then going up and everything and i also thought like some of the angles were almost felt like you were in the pilot's chair of the ship and they were showing you like the frontal view of the Thai squadron coming at you and being effectively, you know, suey bombers. Um, that was like really cool. And like, imagine I was like, Oh, thank goodness. I don't have like three glasses on watching this because that would be terrifying. Would be- um, but I thought the camera angles that they worked with, that was really well done and, and really like added to that entire scene and kind of just the pressure that Ax Wolves was in. So job well done by the, the camera crew there. Um. Yeah. so with assistance from Grogu Mando escapes from captivity and seeks out Gideon fighting off numerous stormtroopers along the way hey, that's
0: already one of the biggest I'm going to say it now so I'm going to say it later that's already one of the biggest my pet peeves how quickly he escapes like really <laughs> Like, you, you know like I mean you can disagree and that's fine but like I just feel like you know what this man's capable of and you like make a big deal about capturing one of them being Din Djarin. you know it's like I would I would have liked an interrogation scene. I think you I think I think whether or not you agree he was he broke through broke through too easily or broke free too easily. I think we both agree most people probably agree. I would have liked like dialogue of an interrogation between the two characters. You know?
1: Yeah, I do think there was a little bit missing there. What I did enjoy about this whole scene with R5 like unlocking all the the doors yeah. and everything, that was the first aspect of this episode that felt very like nod to like a video game where it was like, oh, you accomplished this feat. Move forward. Yes. You accomplished this feat. Collect your weapon. And I thought it was it was a smart job by whoever wrote that portion of the script to say, like, Mando didn't have any weapons. I thought that was very key. Um, because I think a lot of people, if he wouldn't have said that, would have been like, oh, just use your blaster. Use this. Use that. He didn't yeah. have anything on him. And he had it to earn, a- like, the weaponry and everything. I thought that was a cool aspect of that scene.
0: Yeah, no, I, I liked it. It was like, because each little grid essentially there was more people to fight and it was like progressing like you were saying progressing through the levels so to speak and using different toys he found along the way so to speak
1: yeah and i think the uh you you kind of knew that obviously r5 was going to get out of it but the the little mouse droids which is what they called them if you have the captions on um that snuck up on him and like were little rats and ratting out r5 those little shitheads um that whole scene was like if you're like eight years old watching the mandalorian you're like oh shit like is he gonna get through is he gonna get through but like if you're us you're obviously gonna know like that's gonna build up to like just building the suspense and like obviously Mm -hmm. your hero's gonna win um but i did like that they they brought in those little rats uh to kind of you know deter r5 and mando was like you motherfucking droid because it shows like again that like din doesn't trust droids and we talked about this a couple episodes ago too where like he's obviously got to work with this droid because that's what pelimoto gave him but he doesn't have any trust for for droids or robots or anything like that because of you know his past and his upbringing and what he went through so it kind of was like pushing him on the edge of like what am i doing trusting a droid again
0: yeah no he definitely will always probably have droid trust issues and he definitely was warranted in his mind to have it now or at that scene. But it was cool seeing the parallels. Like, obviously, the droid's not, you know, doing anything distrustful. It's just preoccupied with little mouse droids, like you said. And that's a cool little cutaway. Um, yeah, no, I, I like once again, I enjoyed that aspect and I enjoyed like the the effects of that, like having to go through each laser room. That was fine.
1: That was cool. And then that final slide through was very uh, I'm a cowboy.
0: He, Pedro Pascal, like I said on here before, only plays cowboys. Space Cowboy, Apocalypse Cowboy, Wet um what we Western Cowboy like in uh, K- Kingsman
1: uh <laughs> Poorly Cast villain cowboy in Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four yeah.
0: Medieval Cowboy in Game of Thrones.
1: Yeah. He is a cowboy. That's what At least he's, he's not done. a Dallas cowboy. No, we hopefully we never get that biopic. It's a Chilean cowboy. Um, yes. <laughs> so we have the uh, the mouse droids and everything. So then uh, Mando and Grogu discover cloning tanks filled with clones of Moff Gideon.
0: See, that didn't feel suspenseful to me,
1: like then discovering it. It just kinda of felt like I don't want to say
0: rush, but there was no like build up, you know, it was just it was like, kind oh.
1: of a known thing that they were there from last week's episode too. <laughs> But we didn't know
0: he, he was cloning himself, right? He right.
1: Mean- we didn't know what they were truly cloning because in season two, like when they were at that one section where Dr. Pershing was like, they kind of just looked like Snoke clones. We didn't really yeah. know Moff Gideon was taking like the cloning technology and using it for himself. Which I thought was kind of like full blown narcissist.
0: Yeah. yeah, it is. Well, yeah, that's an, understat- <laughs> that's an understatement of the century. <laughs> but so. Thing they got destroyed a second later after this, we're talking, but um, I thought he was just like because there were so many stormtroopers, like, I felt like he had a lot of troopers or whatever they're called dark troopers, per troopers, whatever. There were so many of them, I thought they were the clones, you know what I mean? Like, I thought he was clone troopers again and make his own like clone legion, but in fact, like Kyle said, he was just a narcissist and cloned himself,
1: yeah. And uh, nice little jump scare in that scene, too, where Grogu pulls up on the one and he's just like eyes open you know suspenseful music plays i can't wait for my mom to watch the episode and absolutely jump out of her skin because that's what she's prone to doing um but then they they end up destroying them and i want to ask you this dylan because they are on mandalore for this like secret base and everything Uh do you think moff gideon was using the this like the ancient waters of mandalore to like hibernate his and grow his clones like was that the water that was in those tanks because i think it might have been i think it might have been too but we'll find out if that
0: actually has any meaning like if the water has any like scientific effect or if he just needed like a liquid (laughs) to put in there and that happened to be you know i mean drawn from the source either way i think that's a good call and i do agree with that i'm just curious if it like actually you know like does something or if it's just
1: water because I think it could have been the living water, since they were on Mandalore, and then, you know, flashback to when we first meet up with Grogu and Mando's going on that quest to find him and everything. They're trying to get his blood, and Moff Gideon brings up that he's trying to, you know, be Force, you know, have the Force in his clones and everything. I'm wondering if you know that that final scene where Grogu looks into the water and then our our old pal the Mythosaur wakes up, if that has some kind of connection there with the jedi and with the mandalorian and everything like that and then the living waters like help kind of procure and and advance the uh development of the clones Mm -hmm. hopefully we find out in future seasons but uh the moff gideon clones are are no more thank goodness because one moff gideon might be too many um so mando destroys them and the mandalorians and the remaining Beskar-enhanced stormtroopers engage in a lengthy skirmish within the base, ending in victory for the Mandalorians. Mando confronts Gideon, who reveals uh, that the clones would have been able to use the Force, which would have been absolutely insane. To have Moff Gideon clones using the Force is terrifying. Was- uh, I couldn't even imagine, like especially if he had more of those beskar armors that he himself had on to throw on force wielding moth gideon's that would be insane yeah if he gets some like
0: lightsabers forget about it
1: or even like the the purple like probe sticks like
0: oh yeah the ones the uh the guards have
1: yeah that would have been insane um but he's unable to match gideon's own suit of beskar armor which like that thing that thing was powerful
0: it was very powerful. I mean, it seems like it was made with obviously best car, but also like had the most modern uh, enhancements, so to speak. I mean, like like we talked about before, he's not really a good fighter, so it makes him proficient enough to be able to stand his ground against people who can fight.
1: Which makes me think, and I think we talked about this last week too. Like when we saw his armor initially, like the the living waters had to come in play because of how we saw the armor wield that new piece of Bo-Katan's armor and then the, the chest plate for Grogu. like Beskar was supposed to be this difficult thing to come along, and it was this like glorious thing that Mando had a full-blown Beskar Mandalorian suit. So, the fact that Moff Gideon like took base on Mandalore, he had to have found Beskar and then probably wielded it in some sort of what? hybrid tank of the living waters.
0: you My morbid theory is he just walked around and eluded <laughs> the uh, ex-inhabitants and took their stuff and smelted it down but no i I mean i do agree it's definitely not as rare as we are led to believe i do think it's still rare like it's only found on that planet um you know what i mean and Mm -hmm. it it took a decent amount to make din's armor i feel like the first time through so it's gonna be interesting to see how that plays out you know
1: so then we uh we get bo katan arriving and she duels with moff gideon which i thought this scene was really cool the, the battle between these two, we finally get to see it actually happen. Yeah. Um, and she deals with the dark saber, allowing Mando to leave and fight and defeat the Praetorian guards with Grogu, which I also, as maybe like kid friendly as that scene was, I kind of really enjoyed Grogu, like just force bouncing around those Praetorian guards and making them look like absolute buffoons Uh, because Grogu just knew their every move and was able to dodge them. I kind of really enjoyed that. And it's like, even in a time of, like, dire need and it feels like Grogu needs saving, he's able to fend for himself.
0: He is. Uh, a very defensive oriented, which is good. Like, he wasn't force choking or doing any alarming signs. Uh, and, yeah, no, it was, it was enlightful. Like, he was able to dodge, like you said, and hold his own very well. And also, kind of, still kind of giggle, it seemed like, while doing so.
1: He's a little sicko.
0: Um. He, he, he Yeah, he might. He might be. Might, might. Might. worry about by the time we get to the end of the show.
1: He's like the sickos <laughs> meme, except you just got to put his face on. It. It's like yes, yes. Just <laughs> Grogu. Um. But I do agree with you, and we brought this up at the top. That that moment when Mando is fighting with Moff Gideon, I do wish that you know when he kind of like lasso roped him or you know knocked him down with uh the blaster or whatever that there was a little more dialogue involved there. To yeah. kind of just like set the tone of like Moff Gideon's like he is the big bad kind of of this season because sure we got the Thrawn name drop but we kind of all knew Thrawn wasn't going to show up until Ahsoka anyway because that's kind of like her battle to fight. Um But I, I do wish that there was more like back and forth between those two because you know last season ended with Mando disarming Moff Gideon of the Darksaber. Let's go round two. Let's fight a little more. Let's talk a little more. Let's let's have that dialogue and create, like, this tension between these two characters.
0: Yeah, no, I, you always want to expand on a story in which you're, like, spinning, you know what I mean? Like, you always want to, like, dig deeper if you can and if the plot allows for it, and I felt like we were deprived of that with the no interrogation scene, and we were deprived of that with what you just brought up with the... I didn't think about that with the fight scene. There should have been a little more dialogue. It's pretty, like... Cheesy textbook, like you're evil. I'll stop you. And no, my plan is foiled. You know, like, and it, it is
1: more so. Like, yes, Moff Gideon is more assimilated to Bocatan with like their history and everything. So I get like bringing her into like go full blown like duel. Um, but I do wish that there was a little more between Mando and Gideon because there is. You know, there's beef there, and and you want to hash that out as much as you can. Um. Here's the, the part of the episode that I was like, damn, like, why did they not let this cook? And they like, shuffled it down on the spreadsheet a little bit. Uh, so as they're dueling, Moff Gideon destroys the Darksaber, but is overpowered by the combined efforts of Mando, Bo-Katan, and Grogu. The Darksaber being destroyed in kind of just like a throwaway moment, it seemed like, was very odd to me. Yeah, that's another
0: thing I didn't necessarily agree with. Like, it just felt like, like, oh, now your thing's broken, you know? Like, well, what do you mean our things broken? This was a very
1: important, like... It's this important, like, symbolic thing of Mandalorian culture that has stemmed through Clone Wars, Rebels, and now live action. And it's like, you, you based your season one finale on this big, bad... Wielding the dark saber, and it's like, how the hell did this guy come across this? And it just felt like, with that being destroyed, it should have been something more like hitting you in the feels like being like, oh shit, like the dark saber's destroyed. Like that was the only one. It was this rare hybrid lightsaber thing that was meant for the Mandalorian to kind of go toe to toe with the Jedi, and now it's gone, and, like, this weapon that Bo-Katan is known for, this weapon that Din could never get a grasp of, is just completely destroyed now, and gone. And I, I get, like, I get destroying it, but, like, not emphasizing it was kind of odd to me. The only reason I can, uh, did, like, see destroying it is so you can have
0: some kind of, like, arc in which it gets reforged or rebuilt. Being that you know, like you can potentially do that if the Kyber crystal is still intact, but then also maybe there's symbolism of it being destroyed in terms of there won't finally be a coup of Mandalore and they're united as a people. You know, that's how I saw it. But either way, it wasn't, it's not, it's not depicted like that. You and I, or anyone doing what we're doing now, talking about it, that's like afterthought, like reasoning. You know, it's a very throwaway, just like. Like almost like swatting a fly away, kind of just like it happens. It's there. It's
1: it's effectively like being like, oh, I'm gonna go, and it's like Obi Wan and Darth Vader going toe to toe in the Obi Wan series, and that awesome, you know, scene we had that you and I both loved, and love that scene. Darth Vader just like crushing Obi Wan's lightsaber or vice versa, and it's like, oh, you lost your lightsaber. You're you're done. Your weapon of choice is gone, and like it's one of those things that just has such a dark rooted history with the Mandalorian like culture. I I understood like the destruction of it because now it's like, okay, the Mandalorian can move forward. They don't have to worry about who's on top of, of the food chain almost with their culture. Is it, you know, helmets on helmets off who's in charge type of thing. Who's leading us. You can kind of exist as one. Um, but it, it just felt like they, like, made the destruction of it a a throwaway portion of that epic fight scene. And I, I think you and I both agree, like, the Moff gideon bo fight scene was pretty awesome. Uh, especially the line that Moff Gideon delivers where it's like, surrender the Darksaber and I'll give you a warrior's death. Like, that was, like, that was true, like, shrill and evil from Moff Gideon.
0: Yeah, no, I completely agree. That was evil. Um, but I just feel like it just left me lacking. You know, it, it just left me wanting more uh, with a lot of that. And I'm sad I feel that way, but it's okay. Um, that's just my opinion. I think a lot
1: of people felt that way about that portion of the scene, too. Like, we're not alone in wanting that to be a little more elevated. Um, so Axe Woes rams the Mandalorian capital ship into the Imperial base, and Gideon is consumed by the resulting blast in that ever ever existing pose dylan where you're just getting engulfed by flames and you have to look like you're christ on the cross he's like, he's like you know what <laughs> this is it <laughs> so this is love <laughs> he,
0: he he done he done he done he done dead.
1: now i have a question for you i have because pos- you you and i always we always talk about this whenever big, big moment happens. We said last week Moth uh, Gideon felt like a character that was too big to not bring to the silver screen. Sure, they show him getting engulfed by flames.
0: No, he had a super-powered super suit on, bro.
1: Right. I was going to ask you, do you think he actually died? Because they didn't show a body whatsoever on screen. They just showed the no. flames engulfing him. So you and I are on the same page. He's not dead.
0: No, he's very much probably Jay Chilling. <laughs> he's, he's alive.
1: Okay, I wanted to make sure we were on the same page. I thought we would be, Um, but I, I feel like a lot of people are just like, oh yeah, he's dead, he's gone. It's like, Moth eh, Moff Gideon feels like one of those characters who's kind of like Darth Maul, where he just keeps on coming back. Get rid of him like that. Moth Gideon's going to use one of those robotic spiders, probably, and be Darth Maul
0: 2.0. I mean, he's already dressed like him. <laughs>
1: Now, do you like? Obviously, he also said that the clones were destroyed. Do you think any of his clones survived too?
0: That could be the other. So we could basically you said what I was going to say. So maybe he dies, but maybe a clone survived, kind of thing, which is still him surviving. Mm-hmm. And make more sense because what was the point of besides connecting loose dots of the terrible new three movies? Was <laughs> the what's the what's the connection? And I guess Grogu too, because he might might be a clone. Um. Of having force-sensitive clones, you know, right. so I feel like it's either explaining like loose plot points, and or it's setting up the potential for what you just said and we talked about for a Moff Gideon clone to have survived? Question mark with force abilities. I don't know. We'll find. I feel out. like
1: Moff Gideon is such a big character now in the live-action space of Star Wars that, like, no pun intended there with space, Um that like he still has like there's still so many unanswered questions with him. And I feel like he is like an underling of Thrawn and is kind of like the, one of the, the second in commands, if you will, to Thrawn. So I feel like he's, he's, there's still stories to be told with Moff Gideon.
0: Oh, for sure. And there's not enough like big bads in that show. So, you know, he's kind of the only one unless we get another one soon.
1: Uh, So then we keep it moving here as uh. Like I mentioned, the, the capital ship crashes into the Imperial base. Gideon's consumed by the resulting blast. Grogu protects Poketan and Mando from the blast with a force bubble. Grogu's force power. Shout out to Luke. Um, which that scene, that that still shot, somebody posted that on Twitter. I saved it to my phone because it is such a gorgeous, like, still shot from this episode where the flames are kind of just around them and like moving past them while Grogu's got this force bubble around them while they're looking at what's going on. It's just such a gorgeous scene and, you know, whoever said, yeah, let's do that. Ah, job well done. Like, beautiful photo, beautiful shot, beautiful scene. Love, I love that portion of uh, of everything happening. Uh,
0: yeah, no, that was cool. Once again, cool effects. Just didn't like some of the plot choices.
1: Uh, so after the battle, the Mandalorians restart the Great Forge at the heart of Mandalore. And Mando formally adopts Grogu. Daddy Pedro is truly Daddy Pedro, uh, allowing him to become his apprentice uh, because the armor was like, motherfucker, he can't talk. He's too young. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, but
0: he's adopted now. That's all that matters. (laughs)
1: Uh, So he is adopted and he is now Din Grogu. And uh, afterwards, Mando takes up honest contract work with Carson Tiva and moves into a cabin on the outskirts of Navarro's capital, as previously offered to him by Grief Karga. And uh, in that little little bar area, Grogu recognizes a, a head of, a, of an old friend, or that looks like an old friend. And uh, IG-11 is rebuilt by the Anzelin Mechanics. Hey, hey! Uh, to serve as Navarro's new marshal. Uh, Cara Dune is probably somewhere off-world punching air that a robot stole her job. <laughs> That's a joke within a
0: joke. I like that.
1: Um Here's my take on that final sequence there because then we get, obviously, Mando and Grogu chilling at his cabin. Grogu's levitating with the force, <laughs> a little frog. And, I be- take as mine with this. And then we get... uh That fun little closing bubble circle that is very uh, common with Star Wars uh, endings. My take on what season four of The Mandalorian is going to be. Tommy Bechtold sparked this in my brain too. And as I was watching, I felt this way and I was like, am I dumb for feeling this? And then Tommy said, and I was like, okay, I'm not that dumb. Uh, Shout out to Tommy Bechtold. Season four of The Mandalorian is going to be very much more like season one, in my opinion, where you have like, these Clone Wars uh, monster task of the week type things going on because now Mando is, you know, a, a freelance bounty hunter for the New Republic for hire. So I think there's going to be more of those type of missions. And John Favreau has said, like, the Mandalorian itself, like the show itself, isn't necessarily about Din Djarin. It is, like, just the Mandalorian. So I think, like, we, I think we mentioned this last time we broke down season two. Like, Grogu is eventually going to be well, the now Mandalorian.
0: It's, it's about Grogu, it's like all about all confirmed. It's you know, because he's he's the Mandalorian and it's called the Mandalorian. We learned that Pedro went through the same or Dan went through the same process that you know, like, Grogu's going through. So, I agree with you full where it's like. It's just a very long term view of eventually we'll be like,
1: ah, yes, Grogu
0: wearing best car armor, Mandalorian. Yes, yes.
1: And it's one of those things, too, that I think now that, you know, the culmination of season three has happened, Mando could pop up in another season hypothetical of the Book of Boba Fett in Ahsoka in another show that happens like he doesn't have to be centralized to the Mandalorian show title
0: yeah by the way i agree with your theory uh, my, my theory was that they canceled the rangers of republic show right whatever that was supposed to be called i or... think that is
1: back on the shelf and okay
0: so my theory was i wasn't sure if they were canceling or not i didn't do research but i just got the vibe that because of like how this ended with him working with the new republic i was like what if they're just folding that show into like mandalorian season four that's doing. what they've
1: kind of said from like news that I've like picked up is like they're folding what would what that show was going to be plot premises into all these other shows.
0: Okay, that's cool.
1: But yeah, no. I uh especially right. now that it seems like Carson Teva is like a much bigger role than I think we initially like thought.
0: Yeah. Agreed.
1: Um I think the other kind of like left out piece from this episode is were you expecting Grogu to kind of take something to the chest so that that best car chest plate would protect him?
0: Yes, unfortunately. Yeah.
1: I was surprised that they didn't go that route because it's like, we all know it's there, but you know, if you're watching week to week or you're watching binge, like sometimes you just forget stuff. And I feel like that's one of those things that a lot of people probably forgot about last week's episode or whatever episode it was that he got the uh the chest plate and it's like you could have had that happen it's like oh he's got the he's got the best guard chest plate he's good he's fine yeah he's fine he's fine my child's fine
0: (laughs) no uh it would have been it would have been intriguing and interesting to see that happen i'm I'm sure it would have been more stressful but nonetheless uh it did not happen
1: um the other loose ends from this season what do you think happened to Dr. Pershing now? Because obviously he got mind flayed. He's he's lost all remnants of everything that happened. Do we ever see him again?
0: Uh, Yes, I think you do. Why would they waste? Not waste, it's a bad choice of words. No, I'll say waste. Why would they use the whole episode for him then? Just yeah. not again. It's just weird plot points and the fact that he is now the only one alive besides um gleason's uh whatever, whatever his dude's name is besides the with one guy's son hucks mm-hmm. or dad not, not the, the dad son. yeah because no one else really seems to be into cloning or
1: like know what it is so he's and sleeping. then obviously homegirl that uh mind flayed uh pershing yeah. too that she's was... like her she is one of those villains that uh you can't stand her, but she does a damn good job of being a villain. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, on top of that, I do find it weird that we did have that entire episode dedicated to Pershing and like the entire like revamping of um everything and being on course. I do think it is more so with um that character to. Be kind of like a, a Moff Gideon Empire First Order spy on Coruscant, and have somebody there like working from the inside out, um, know, things know. up. Um. Also, we we kind of had an ego on our face. The armor yeah. so far not bad. the wolves not bad.
0: He's very not. Nice. He he's, he he almost went down with the ship.
1: Yeah, he is that dude. Um. Do we ever think the armor will that it will surface that she has anything bad about her?
0: Yes, I think she's going to be ex-Deathwatch. And I think she might want to eventually have some power for herself. And there might be power struggle because Din does not care. Ex-Wolf seems like he doesn't care. And I think that that will happen and or (laughs) or and or (laughs) that she'll um, be a spy
1: um and then season four i think you know we both said we kind of agree with where season four kind of goes um Hmm. outside of ahsoka and you know we just had star wars celebration and everything we recapped a bunch of that do one do you think mando could show up in ahsoka and two other than that is the next time we see din and grogu in the mandalorian season four
0: Mm, they might make a guest appearance in terms of seeing them before season four so i definitely think we could see them in ahsoka um i know it might be like a thron a Thrawn situation where you just kind of get like a name drop and get like a little glimpse or maybe they have a conversation because she does know ahsoka so it wouldn't be i i kind of hope that we don't though just because i feel like I don't know. If the show is good, I think it'll be fine. But mm-hmm. I like think like this, when we saw Mando in the book of Boba Fett, he was like the, one of the only good things about the book of Boba Fett. And that's not a good thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I don't, I'm hoping they didn't develop the show to rely on Grogu and the Mandalorian again. You know what I mean? I'm hoping they actually yeah. let Rosario Dawson cook. <laughs> totally. <laughs> and, it's okay.
1: Um, I do think, you know, obviously I'm saying this, Having at this moment in time not watched the Bad Batch yet, but I have been told a number of times that we need to watch it. Um So that is on the agenda as well for us for the for the Star Wars fans out there. The Bad Batch is on our dock, and obviously Rebels will be before we watch Ahsoka. Is it bad that I you know without knowing anything truly about the Bad Batch is would it would it be weird to see Dan and Grogu in animation?
0: Um. I don't think it would be that weird. It might be weird, but I think it's not impossible. Like, would that be
1: out of left field, per se? Obviously, we don't know anything that happens in that show or kind of where it lines up, per se. Um, but it would be kind of cool if it would we be saw. cool.
0: I'm not sure if it would happen, but it would be interesting. I do agree. Uh,
1: especially since, you know, the Bad Batch, the they're only going to do three seasons. Like, the next season's the the final season, so would be pretty interesting if they brought Din and Grogu into animation, kind of reverse everything from the, the Felony brain and, you know, put him in animation. That would be kind of cool too. Cause we've seen the crossover of the animated characters come into live action and it'd be canon. So it'd be kind of cool if they did the reverse too and, and do that. Um, but I, I agree with you. I hope they let Rosario Dawson cook, let the, the live action cast of rebels cook and, but- uh, Let Thrawn cook, obviously. Thrawn cook. Uh, Dylan, before we get to our grades and reviews, uh, this episode of The Mandalorian on Rotten Tomatoes, as we always talk about, uh, it scored a 76% based on reviews of 17 critics. The website's critical consensus reads, a disjointed season yields a clunky climax, but the return concludes this particular saga on a high enough note while also promising a fresh start for the Mandalorian going forward. I can agree with that pretty much across the board. And I think uh, this season in particular, we talked about it, the episode with Jack Black and Lizzo and uh, everything. It did feel like a lot of live action Clone Wars was taking place in this season.
0: Yeah, it definitely did. It just felt like it was. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's the best way to put it.
1: Uh, So Dylan, without any further ado we will give our chapter 24 grade and then we will give our overall Mandalorian season three grade for the record book. Uh, but I will start with your chapter 24 grade for the Mandalorian season finale.
0: So the grade just for this episode is going to be not super high. Um, I've kind of talked about this whole episode how i didn't dis- i disagree with quite a few things um the number that stuck out to me is this seven I know it's on the lower side for me for
1: this show but it is what it is <laughs> um i'm gonna give it i'm gonna give it an 8.3 Respect that it's pretty solid there was a lot of good like you mentioned there like a lot of good like optical aspects a lot of good visual aspects I thought the fight scenes overall were really, really good and some of the best that we've gotten in like this era of live-action Star Wars. Um, but there were there was it still leaves a lot of plot holes, which obviously, if you're going to make do on three more seasons of this show, you hope that they'll get filled as yeah. we progress and everything. Um, but now we gotta wait. We gotta wait for more Mandalorian. Uh, before we get those answers. So I'm going to give it an 8.3. Dylan gives it a 7. So for the quick math at home, everybody, that's 15.3. You divide that by 2 and round up. It's a 7.7 out of 10 for the finale. Uh Now, Dylan, we get to just your uh, second overall grade for a show slash movie this year so far. I, uh, it, hmm. The Mandalorian Season 3, your only other grade this year is obviously for another Pedro Pascal project, The Last of Us Season 1, which you gave a 9.6 out of 10, uh, which we all gave it a 9.6 out of 10 for that. Uh, But Dylan, your score for the overall season that was The Mandalorian Season 3.
0: Honestly, probably around where our average came in. I would say like 7.8. Is what because just because it's because it started off kind of bad and then it it gets better and then it's, it ends on a note that I don't like and I just don't I don't want to give it into an eight because I feel like that's too rewarding but I don't want to like you know like bomb it so I think seven point eight is probably what I would say as a whole.
1: Um, I'm just looking back at uh the old friend that was the book of Mando Fett, um, to see what the score I gave that was. Um, I think I gave that
0: like a seven point something. You gave it
1: a flat seven. Okay. Um I am going to I'm gonna give this season of the Mandalorian because it was entertaining. Like that's the thing too. Like Yeah,
0: that's, no, that's
1: why that's why I still gave it Yeah. It's not like it was a bad product for everybody at home listening. Like this was a it was a good season. Was it the best season of the show? No but it added a lot more to the overall like plot arc and everything of these characters and stuff. We got great, uh, appearances. We got great fight scenes and it did leave you wanting more at the end. Um, so I think I'm going to give it an 8.4 right on par with the book of Boba Fett. Um,
0: but th- that's
1: in a, a better light of the Book of Boba Fett, I would say. The Book of Boba Fett also got the benefit of the doubt that that was the very first uh show we ever kept a running score for. Um So I don't know if it would have an 8.4 moving forward uh, if we did it again. But I'm going to give Mando season 3 an 8.4. Dylan gave it a 7.8. So for the quick math at home, that's 16.2 divided by 2 doing math. It was an 8.1 out of 10 for the overall score, which I mean, it being in the 8s as a whole, I think is pretty solid. Um pretty deserving, I'd say for most of the season.
0: Yeah. And
1: uh I think low 8s is overall pretty good for uh this season of The Mandalorian. Agreed. So there is our full-on recap of season 3 of the mandalorian another season of our flagship show this is one of the this is the first show that started this format of streamer season so shout out to daddy pedro daddy dave filoni john Favreau, and the rest of the mandalorian on another uh successful season and can't wait for even more of uh what's to come with this show but without any further ado dylan let us uh Let us take it from a galaxy far, far away to one that's right here at home. Uh, We're going to talk about streaming, but live. And it's brought to you by our friends at PHI Apparel Company, our awesome merch partners, the best in the game. Uh, They provide the best, most comfortable and unique designs for the great fans of Philadelphia. And of course, the Underground Sports Philadelphia podcast network which uh, if you didn't know, that includes us, guys. Streamer season merch available to purchase. We got T-shirts. We got hoodies. We're working on some stuff for the spring and summer. as That is full-blown here. as The nicer weather is here now. We're going to have new designs available for some some hot new stuff that we're working on, so you're going to want to stay tuned for that. Uh, And there's no doubt that when you're going to the movie theater, when you're Netflix and chilling, or you're having a nice little family movie night get-together, you're going to stand out by rocking your streamer season merch. Oh, you yeah. guys can use our code underground for 10% off any and all orders. Uh, when you shop online at phiapparel.co. apparel.co that's phiapparel.co. apparel.co use code underground for 10% off any apparel. When you shop with our great merch partners, PHI apparel company. All right, Dylan, let's, let's, let's dissect this, this whole love is blind conundrum. I uh I do not watch the show. It just made its way onto my timeline, everything that uh was going on. I have um, with the show. So Love is Blind took the 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 streaming universe by storm during the pandy-wandy um and has since curated a cult following and they decided that they were going to make their reunion uh, a live reunion and have it be live on Netflix yes we've seen some other streaming platforms most notably Disney plus and Netflix had recently done this with Chris Rock's comedy special they did they, it was streamed live to watch before they you know edited it and cut it down to be what it was going to be Disney plus has also done a full season of dancing with the stars live on Disney Plus, And they uh, have dabbled in some other things. I think too, on the, the live scale of things, the love is blind uh, reunion. There was some technical issues that they said was going to take about 10 to 15 minutes to resolve. Nobody could get in on the servers. Servers were overloading fast forward 90 minutes. So an hour and a half It was supposed to start at eight. It was not available until 930 with a response saying um, that they were sorry for what had happened. They were going to film the reunion and then upload it to Netflix after. And they apologize for making everybody wait so long. This, that and the third. Now, could that have been a thing where, you know, from what I heard, allegedly like one of the couples or two of the people that were on the show were just magically not there so was there some sort of beef that happened that you know while they were doing it live something happened and it's like oh cut the servers cut the server like that's the conspiracy brain of a lot of people the other thing is just like they were not ready for the immense amount of people who were going to be tuning in live and it it brings me the question uh that i posed to you before we started recording do streaming platforms need to do live content
0: um honestly maybe it's a hot take but i don't think so i think maybe like exclusives um but like when you go over to the live content it kind of goes to like what Hulu does a live sports but Hulu doesn't necessarily have the live sports it's paybacking on the live sports it's not its own you know i mean it's like it's not its own entity also hulu happens Owned by Disney, which also owns ESPN, so it's like Correct. a lot of a lot of merging. Whereas if Netflix tries live streaming this reality TV show, that is on them to put that their product out there like live. So they have to have the infrastructure, and granted, they should, but they didn't expect it, and that goes with any streaming service, whether it's HBO, whatever. Because I just feel like streaming services generically give you movies and TV shows, not live things. I just feel like it should stay that way. I mean, maybe we could explore with, like, live releases, like, you know, how they've done before. Like, keep doing, like, some movies come out, like, right away, and they also come out in theater. You know, that, that's different. Maybe pay a little extra money in the future to, like, see it right away on your TV rather than go to the theaters. Um, but in terms of, like, live, live content, I don't know if it's needed. I mean, I'm not saying I wouldn't watch some of it, but mm-hmm. I just don't know if it's, like, thinking like a business person, which is you know the industry that I unfortunately happen to be in. Uh, I just feel like it's not necessarily like costs. You know what I mean? Like it's mm-hmm. just, it's just training I I don't know the the tech nuances, but I, I, it has to be super expensive to live stream something of that caliber.
1: And I think it, it's different from you know <laughs> your typical HBO Max server or sorry Max server crashing when. Game of Thrones is premiering, or you know, Succession is premiering because that's something that's already recorded and they're just putting that file onto the streaming platform and just saying, Okay, this goes live at this time. Although you would get
0: more candid reality TV if it was legit live,
1: mm-hmm. so I guess. That's
0: the cap I just said
1: it's like I think it's one of those things that I think this was a good litmus test for. A streaming mogul like Netflix who, you know, we have had gripes with it in the past on this show. And we have yeah. said it also does some things that are really, really good. I think this is a good litmus test for all of the streaming platforms to kind of get an idea of. I don't think they're ready for the live content just yet.
0: That's true. And maybe we'll dive back to that. But I think ultimately we're on the same page where it's a no for now. It's a no for me, dog.
1: Especially something that is, like, of that, like, realm that is Love is Blind, that is in, like, that that Bachelor, Bachelorette, you know, the the dating show type of things. Those type of shows gain such a cult following from all age groups where, you know, they did the live Chris Rock viewing of his comedy special. I think it's totally different because Chris Rock has a certain age demo that he hits with his comedy.
0: Oh, so you're saying if someone messes up and does something on live television, it's not good because people are watching that maybe shouldn't see that said, you know, criteria. Whereas hopefully a comedy special everyone watching is of it, you know, me? Like, I think it's
1: that. And then I think it's also like in terms of just the influx of people who are like turning on Netflix, trying to watch it live, you're getting a lot more households and a lot more people. Tuning into that because I think a love is blind or, you know, as an example, like the bachelor bachelorette, if they were doing that live on a streaming platform, you're going to get way more households and way more Netflix accounts yeah. tuning into that live to crash your servers as a whole. So I think this may help, you know, Netflix in terms of just uh, recalibrating their servers and the intake that they have on cult following programs like that. And if they feel like they need to do it live. I can fully agree. Um, so let us know in the YouTube comment section your thoughts on streaming platforms, doing live content. Should they do it? Should they uh, focus more on just, you know, getting content out there for the people? Or should it be a little mixture of both? Because it's also like if you're doing live content, you can just do live content on a on a cable channel. And what's stopping people from canceling your service and just going back to cable?
0: Yeah, sorry. Uh, no. I fully agree. Um, I think we're on the same page there with the uh, streaming services not doing live stuff just yet.
1: So without any further ado, like I said, let us know in the comment section your thoughts on that. And uh, without any further ado, let's get to everybody's favorite segment. It is the streaming platform multiverse news and notes brought to you by Dylan's beverage of choice. Kenwood beer, the official beer of underground sports, Philadelphia uh, guys. They're the best in the game. Why would you not want to crack open an ice cold Kenny when you're watching your favorite movies and shows Dylan, you you've had Kenwood in your time. Is it, is it not one of the most delicious, if not the most delicious beer you ever had?
0: Yeah, no, it's very good. It's very refreshing. It's light. It's 4.1%. Um, so you can have a few responsibly and be okay. And it's uh, it's good taste,
1: it's 4.1%, like Dylan said, ABV, 127 calories, 10 grams of carbs. You guys can go to kenwoodbeer.com and use the Kenny tracker to see who has Kenwood beer on tap in the Philadelphia area. You can buy Kenwood at your local Philadelphia area liquor store, or if you're in Eastern Pennsylvania, you can get it at your local Whole Foods. Light body, light calories, plenty of flavor. The best light beer on the planet. You must be 21 or older to do so. And, of course, guys, please drink responsibly. Dylan, the big news uh, coming across the timeline just about three hours ago. uh, According to Deadline, we're going to get into the Sony Spider-Verse. But in talks to star in Venom 3 is Juno Temple.
0: Uh, I have to Google who that is.
1: Juno Temple for the people. Uh, You may know her. Oh!
0: That's the girl from Ted Lasso.
1: Ted Lasso, Killer Joe, The Offer, Year One. Uh, She was in Maleficent in 2014. Uh, She was in The Dark Knight Rises. whole lot of projects. That's a big name for the Sonyverse right there to uh, get in Venom 3. Not sure what the role would be, but sign me up. Big fan.
0: Yeah, no, good for her.
1: Uh, looking here next, let's just dive right into the uh, the Sony Spider-Verse, Dylan. Okay. We got confirmation today from the big old Disney Plus that t- by the time you guys are listening to this, Friday, April 21st, on Disney Plus, you will have the original Tobey Maguire trilogy Spider-Man movies Along with the amazing Spider Man, the first Andrew Garfield Spider Man on Disney Plus, you will also on May 12th on Disney Plus have Spider Man Homecoming, the very first Tom Holland Spider Man standalone movie, as well as Venom One on May 12th. The Star's contract with Sony is now over. So now over the next, I believe it's like five or seven years. Uh, the Sony spider verse movies, Dylan will be jumping between Disney plus and Netflix because April 1st, the Toby trilogy was put on Netflix and they will be bouncing back and forth now. And that is why uh, Sony was like, we need to get uh no way home into theaters before 2022 starts because the contract ended on January one, 2022. And obviously no way home was in theaters December of 2021. Um, so, <laughs> But this is very exciting. I think this helps a lot of people who have not gotten to see these movies in a long time, if at all, ever. Um, the the Toby movies, 100% are on the docket for us to review. I have personally never seen the Garfield movies yet. The Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movies. Um, yeah. Just because it was like one of those things when they came out in theaters. It was like, that's not my Spider-Man. Spider-Man <laughs> is Toby Maguire. I, I don't like that. But I love Andrew Garfield now that I'm a sophisticated and grown adult and can appreciate other people playing a role and I'm not a petulant child. Um, So I will also be watching those movies for the very first time and giving my uh, reviews on that faux show. Um, I'm very excited, though, because I think it adds to the people uh, like our, our boys, DJ, who is almost fully done. He's just doing the Netflix shows uh and then Patty Pitts who are on their their Marvel watch journeys uh and catching up on everything Marvel uh, So that's it's it's a good sign it's a good thing in terms of uh just full on uh continuity if you will
0: they're almost there
1: Dylan this makes me excited since we're both comic book boys That's what I am Marvel announces that Layla L fauli you remember back from our watch of Moon Knight? Yes. We'll be making her comics debut this July 25th issue of Moon Knight. Character will take on the mantle of the Scarlet Scarab in Moon Knight City of the Dead, a five issue limited series from David Papos and Marcelo Ferreira. Let's go. Cool. That's
0: awesome. Good for her to be able to be like, you know, to be the first.
1: Very excited about that, and I think you know when things happen in the comics, it helps it have more of a an easier flow into the shows and movies too. Uh, oh. So very excited about that. Some stuff we're not very excited about is um, I oh, don't
0: know,
1: Jonathan Majors, Dylan. Oh
0: yeah, I heard he has a line of people now talking about how bad he is.
1: Not great um multiple alleged abuse victims for Jonathan of Jonathan Majors have come forward following his arrest and are cooperating with the Manhattan District Attorney's office not great for yeah. a guy who was supposed to be this next big thing and it all comes crumbling down as soon as his two movies come out well, he,
0: and he was supposed to be the next big thing
1: not ideal not Neither ideal more. and and obviously we hope that you know these are alleged. We hope that if unfortunately these things did happen, that the victims are able to, you know, get the proper help and recovery and, and everything else, uh, that they need. And, and we hope uh,
0: if it is in fact, fact,
1: correct. And, you know, hopefully, you know, full blown truth comes to light about the entire situation one way or another. It's unfortunate either way. Um, but we hope that, uh, the alleged victims are uh, able to get the help that they need. Um, we got a quote here from Emily Swallow, AKA the armorer Dylan. Yeah. Uh, she helps fans use the Mandalorian in season three to see quote, there is value in allowing yourself to be uncomfortable and in listening to opinions that are challenging to you and working through that discomfort. Hmm. It's pretty, uh, it's pretty, pretty hashtag deep pretty hashtag deep indeed uh jody turner smith reveals she decided to join the accolade after kogo nada uh told her that he was directing episodes of the series quote i respect him so deeply i will follow him into any fire wow that's uh (laughs) high praise that's high praise
0: that's as deep as it gets i think
1: uh James Gunn's Superman Legacy will reportedly begin filming in January in the ATL.
0: Okay. I'm curious to see how that goes.
1: Are you and I in the I forget, are you and I on the same page with Superman? Like does Superman move the needle for you in any way?
0: No. I don't think he does. But I do think he's do you awesome. know who does
1: move the needle for us. Daddy James <laughs>
0: Gunn. I thought you were gonna say Michael Faz better, but yeah. That too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I, I agree though.
1: Um Dylan, do you have can I pique your interest? Are you at all interested in Mighty Morphin Power Rangers once and always streaming on so, Netflix?
0: I think I yeah, they're they're gonna have a bunch of them, right? Is that what I saw? I think so. I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued.
1: Are you intrigued by this? According to Deadline, Will Farrell will star in an untitled comedy series about golf with Ryan Johnson, our guy, obviously known for the Knives Out universe and poker face, uh, set to executive produce.
0: Yeah, I'm always down for that. That sounds cool. <laughs>
1: um we've got uh james cameron up to his shenanigans once again with all of his movies dylan as avatar the way of water is returning to imax theaters on april 21st to celebrate earth day i'm I'm down (laughs) once again that is also uh james cameron saying i'm putting this back in so that my movie can climb up the ranks of the highest grossing films of all time again
0: (laughs) james good old james cameron
1: uh Timothy Chalamet is starring in a Chanel commercial directed by Martin Scorsese.
0: You, that, that that sounds like
1: a Mad Lib.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say I, that doesn't sound real, but I'm um, I'm with it.
1: uh Dylan, we've got a follow up to the the clip that we put out on the social medias this past week. Any responses? Woody Harrelson confirms. Matthew McConaughey. Might be his biological brother. Quote. Got a quote from Woody. So what you're saying is there's a chance. We want to go for a DNA test. But for him, it's a much more big deal. He feels like he is losing a father. I'm like, no, you're gaining a different father and a brother. That is the most movie line of real life.
0: Yeah, that's very movie
1: line of real life. Like it though. The plot thickens as uh, people called us out for our YouTube short. It's like, they're not brothers. It's like, uh, there's a whole story where they think they're brothers. Yeah. All have now confirmed that they think it could be possible. We know what we're talking about, right? We're professionals. Uh, let's see here. Moving right uh, along. I think we're professionals. Sorry. So we've got from Deadline Jenny Slate will star in Mindful. A horror movie about a possessed meditation app that begins to kill its followers.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna set that one out, chief. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep it real.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I, I knew you were gonna say that.
0: I don't think I like that one very much, uh,
1: Dylan. I think last week or the week before we talked about the Harry Potter series coming to Max. Yes. Well, uh, we've got another uh, book from our. Our teen years getting what? made into a reboot series. What is it? Okay. Twilight. Okay. Well. Is getting a reboot series and author Stephanie Meyer will be involved. Lionsgate will develop the series before trying to sell it to a streaming service or network.
0: Twilight didn't need a first one. So why does it need a reboot? <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's very strange. Let's, let's get some original designs out here. Um, moving right along, uh, Elemental, the Disney Pixar film uh, that I'm actually pretty excited about, uh, is the fourth Pixar film to debut at Cannes, the film festival, following mm-hmm. Up, Inside Out, and Soul. Interesting. So if you, you take anything from those three movies that debuted there? I think all three of those Pixar films are fantastic. Uh. Makes me even more excited for Elemental.
0: Yeah, I mean, um, I'll
1: watch it. Uh, moving right along here, this is interesting, and I don't—I wonder what Christian's thoughts are on this. But Netflix co-CEO Ted Sarandos says there's no plans to send more Netflix films to theaters. "Quote: Driving folks to a theater is just not our business." having big new desirable content drives value for our members and drives value for our business.
0: I mean, it's kind of staying true to what they were in, in one sense. So don't necessarily disagree, but it is interesting given the stakes of streaming and movies in the world.
1: Uh, Angelina Jolie and Halle Berry will star in Mod versus Mod with Roseanne Liang set to direct. The film is described as a bond versus Bourne type of action thriller. It's a pretty two good female leads to be playing uh, Super Spies. Uh, This next one, this is another show that I have uh, seen a lot and kind of intrigued by The Night Agent on Netflix. Dylan, it has become Netflix's number six most watched English language series of all time. Wow. That's uh, pretty popular. Pretty wild. Uh, Moving right along here. So... We have more follow-up, too. This was earlier in the week on Jonathan Majors. Uh, he has been dropped from a number of projects, as well as his management and publicity team. The projects that he's been dropped from include an adaptation of The Man in My Basement, an ad campaign for the Texas Rangers uh, Major League Baseball team, and a Fifth Estate Otis Redding biopic. Oof. Tough. Tough, no. tough, tough. He's, he deserves
0: it. He's guilty. Yeah. Uh
1: according to ET Canada Ryan Reynolds says that uh says what they pitched Hugh Jackman on Wolverine in Deadpool 3 is quote enough of a divergence from the character he knows and he's left behind it gives him something completely new to play and something that he's really excited to do I'm I'm I'm, I'm intrigued <laughs> uh moving right along here George Lucas's American Graffiti will be streaming on Netflix on May 1st. That is obviously his uh, his claim to fame there before Star Wars. Uh, Dylan, I can't wait to hear your thoughts here as we we, we have more in the Netflix password-sharing, anti-password-sharing efforts.
0: Uh, Narcs, what? What are the next one
1: In their anti-password-sharing efforts, Netflix will start blocking devices after a certain period of time that attempt to access an account without properly paying. Yeah, fuck them. (laughs) Uh, They will begin the crackdown on password sharing in the U.S. during the second quarter of this year. The company will give users the option to add two more people outside of their homes for an additional cost.
0: Yeah, fuck Netflix for that.
1: Uh, And in quarter one of 2023, Netflix has added... 1.75 1.75 million new subscribers no. and more Netflix news. They are shutting down their DVD business after 25 years.
0: Hmm. I, mean, I guess that makes sense. No, one, who uses the DVD anymore?
1: Very true. Uh, Ryan Reynolds, Jason Momoa, Vince Vaughn, and Aubrey Plaza have been cast in animal friends. The film is described as a live action slash animated hybrid R rated road trip adventure film from director Peter, Atencio.
0: That's intriguing. Um, Sorry. the Netflix thing had me doing some research. I'm pissed. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
1: Looking here. Uh, Now streaming on Netflix still in the final season of Better Call Saul.
0: I need to watch that. That's a show that I'm uh, intrigued about because I've heard really positive things about it. I've heard it's one of the best television shows of all time.
1: This is very exciting. Aziz Ansari is set to make his directorial debut titled Good Fortune. The comedy star Ansari himself uh, alongside Keanu Reeves and Seth Rogen. Interesting.
0: Interesting. 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 Color interesting. me
1: intrigued.
0: I'll tune in for that one.
1: Uh. Releasing on June 16th on Disney Plus. This is something we talked about last year when they announced it. Uh, Marvel Stan Lee documentary. June 16th on Disney Plus. I'm very excited about that. Celebrating a hundred years of Stan Lee.
0: Yeah, I think it's well deserved. So I'm definitely tuning in.
1: Um, looking here as we continue pushing forward on these final bits here. Haven't seen it yet, but I am trying to get to the theaters to see this. Uh, peaches from the super Mario brothers movie has been added to the billboard hot one hundred.
0: Yeah. It's been trending all over the place. The peaches, peaches, peaches. Been
1: everywhere. Um, looking here, this is interesting from the business aspect of streaming platforms. Amazon prime video has launched a new feature called dialogue boost on select titles. The feature is described as a quote, AI based approach that allows viewers to adjust the volume of spoken dialogue without changing the volume of background music or sound effects. Yeah, I saw the
0: Snapchat has an AI too. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, Yeah, that that creeped me out today. This is
1: for Amazon Prime for select uh, titles, and the one that's in the photo here shows Jack Ryan.
0: I don't want no robots messing with my Snapchat.
1: Yeah, I don't want no robots messing with my TV either.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's true. I mean, I think I speak for...
1: Everyone there. Um last bit here, let's see. Um
0: searching searching
1: searching well, here. Well
0: I was searching for the last bit. Remember to leave us recommendations on what you want us to watch. Someone literally just did it, and also someone did it earlier. That's why I watched Chernobyl. And ironically, I started watching Beef, the one that they just recommended. So you too could recommend something that could be covered on this pod. I'm only saying this now, a little out of order, because Kyle is currently searching for news, and I wanted to not have awkward silence.
1: <laughs> well, we do have a release date uh, that Christian sent us for a show that we definitely want to watch. Uh, HBO original White House Plumbers premier's premieres May 1st on HBO Max. Oh. Uh, very excited about that show. It's like a All the President's Men type of thing, which is one of my favorite movies ever. Um, very excited about that one. Uh, Chad Stahelski, apologize if I butchered that one. He's named some actors that he would love to work with in the John Wick universe, Dylan. Okay. Colin Farrell. I would like to, yeah. Michelle Yeoh. Wow. He's going all out. Killian Murphy. Wow. Peter Dinklage.
0: Wow. I like Peter Dinklage. Game of Thrones boy.
1: Charlize Theron. Journey Smollett. And Robert Did- Downey Jr.
0: Well, it's official. I'm interested now.
1: <laughs> uh let's see here. Uh Dylan, you'll like this. Animated uh content, and anime, Suzume has passed $280 million worldwide.
0: What? I don't know what this is. But yeah, it's it's cool. Suzume. Oh, cool. Good for that.
1: And let's see here. Anything else from the last week that was... I believe that is... Everything we've got. Oh, we do have a Knuckle spin off series from the Sonic movie uh, has begun filming. Adam Pally, Kid Cudi, uh, Eddie Patterson, Julian Barrett, Ellie Taylor, Rory McCann, and Tika Sumter will star in the series. Just adding Dylan, Super Smash Brothers universe.
0: Yes, 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 we know. <laughs> the tinfoil hat.
1: Let's get it. Um. but yes now everybody the love is blind uh, reunion is available globally uh, on Netflix to go watch so if you consume it go enjoy it but that's all we got for you guys on this episode make sure you're following us at streamer SZN on Twitter Instagram Follow Dylan on Twitter, at Dylan Mazzola. Follow me at KBIZZL311. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe to the podcast feed on Apple and Spotify. Dylan, say the line one more time for the people, you glorious human you.
0: Leave us, leave us those recommendations on what to watch. You can do it via YouTube comments. You can do it via reviews. Let us know what show or, or movie you want us to watch on any of the streaming services.
1: You can also do it in the YouTube comment section, youtube.com slash at underground sports, Philadelphia, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe over there. It really does help trying to get to 500 subscribers, trying to get to a thousand. Obviously, uh, you guys know what goes down when we hit one K smash that like button, ring the bell icon, comment down below your thoughts on everything. Dylan and I discussed on today's episode that we had some healthy, fun discourse, a little opposite of the norm, what we usually do, but very fun stuff. And, uh, We'll be bad. Big thank you to our merch partners to PHI apparel company. Go get your merch PHI apparel.co code underground 10% off any and all orders. And this has been another edition of streamer season, the exclusive streaming platform TV and movie podcast on the underground sports, Philadelphia podcast network for Dylan. I'm KB. We are going to uh, go to our galaxy far, far away cottages. Hopefully try to uh, not live stream a live streaming platform event. Uh, and just get ready to, uh, believe because Ted Lasso comes to the docket next week. Let's ride. We'll see you guys next time. Peace.